0: All good, finish at 12.30, let me just see the time right now, awesome, cool guys, well uh, awesome to be here, thanks for coming and um, you all look amazing today and uh, I was inspired by what everyone shared and it seems like there's this common theme that's, uh, that's coming through and I think it comes through every time. Although, I need to apologize because I haven't been here for the last few um, Moriwa gatherings. And I've, I find that I'm, I'm, uh, I seem to always be overseas or away when the Moriwa gatherings on. So that's been super unfortunate. But, um, but it's so good to be here. And thanks so much, Ken, for having me. And, um, and, but just so inspired by what everyone's shared so far, um, God is definitely up to something. Um, Psalm 133 is happening in our day. There is a unity that God is beginning to to establish, not just in Northland, but actually all over the world, and, um, but definitely here in Northland, and it's for a harvest. There is a unity that's for a harvest. And um, so it's an honor for me to have the opportunity just to share uh, today. And um, I just want to share a couple of stories. I want to share what God's put on my heart. In fact, He actually put Psalm 133 on my heart before we got here and, um, and started to, to talk to me about um, how to prepare for a harvest in terms of how to prepare a net of unity for a harvest. And so I want to speak into what everyone else has really already been speaking into this morning and, and obviously what's on everyone's hearts. Um, but I want to say this, that uh, we don't have a darkness problem. One of my spiritual dads, he says this. We don't have a darkness problem in the world. We just have a lack of light problem. <laughs> we don't have a darkness problem. We just have a lack of light problem. And, and when we turn on the light that is in us, yeah. then, then we no longer have any darkness. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe that what God's doing is He's preparing us for a harvest. I don't know if you guys enjoy fishing. There's probably a couple of people that enjoy fishing. And um, I remember I was fishing in, uh, in Taupo Bay over New Year's and I was with my wife and we were just out in our little boat. And, um, and the whole side of, whoa, is it good? The whole side of, um, of where the cliffs are. You know, what have you guys been to Taupo Bay? Yeah. So up there, there's these cliffs on one side and it goes out for ages out into the sea. And the whole side of that whole coast was just jumping with kawai. And, um, and there were birds diving, like the whole thing. Like as far as you could see, it's a long way. Like you could just drive your boat and just see all these fish just swimming around under the boat. And, and all I had was one of those little white um, kawai lures, you know, with the two little hooks. If you know what I'm talking about, they're little ones. And um, I thought, perfect for kawai you know, except for the problem is there's a way bigger harvest in Kauai. And so uh, I thought, well, you know, this is what I've got, so I'm just going to go for it and cast, and about two seconds, you catch one and put it on the boat, and my wife and I are just covered in blood from head to toe, you know, there's just blood everywhere, there's fish bits everywhere, there's piles of fish in the boat, of course, a legal amount of heaped fish in the boat. And, um, and, uh, but at one point, I cast out and you could see the kingies just under the boat. And uh, at one point I cast out and I just the, the rod just went. Woof, woof, this brr and, and the line said and then boom and this massive snap. And my where my where the connection point was between the the trace and the rest of the line, that that wasn't strong enough for this particular um, fish that had gone on my line. And I remember saying to to my wife um, some kind of um, disappointed yet excited word. And it it wasn't a bad word that I can think of. It was just a word and some words to do with my extreme disappointment in that moment. I remember thinking, Ah, I feel so, I'm so gutted that i didn't have a strong i didn't have my a kingfish setup i should have brought a kingfish setup on this freaking boat and um and i was disappointed because the connection couldn't handle the harvest the connection couldn't handle the harvest and what god's doing i don't i don't fish with nets i just fish either with a spear gun or with a fishing rod but i know if i fish with a net if the net had holes in it then it couldn't cope with the harvest it couldn't cope with the amount of fish that it's actually designed to catch. That we here, we have been designed to catch a harvest. But, but there's holes in the net, and God's repairing the holes. He's actually strengthening the net. He's strengthening the lion so that we can pull in a harvest in Northland. And I love harvest. Um, I just got back from, um, from Myanmar, uh, uh, Burma last week. And um, on Sunday, I flew back on Sunday at 1 in the morning and then made it to church by the time church started, and, um, and I've been back since, since Sunday, but uh, I had the great privilege of being in a, uh, in a war zone in Myanmar, and I was there for a week and, uh, in Michina, and that's right up by the China border, and, um, and uh, it's been about 60 years of civil war. They had about seven years of peace in the middle there some year, but about 11 years ago it started again, and it's the Burmese military versus the, the Kachin tribal army. Who are just fighting for their land, and um, and there are literally uh, thousands and thousands of these of these orphan kids with no parents anymore, just running around the city. There's, it's just a. uh, You know, I'm I'm still, I haven't yet processed all the emotions and feelings of being in that place. But um, there's darkness in that place. But that's not the problem. The problem is the lack of light in that place. The problem is the lack of yes. The lack of go the lack of the go within the people who carry the light to go to those kinds of places. And they're here in Northland as well as in Burma. That There's, there's darkness, but that's not the problem. And I love watching what God does. I love it. I love catching um, Kawaii. Love, I love catching kawaii. Kawai. I, love, I love the limited harvest that I've experienced so far. I love it that, uh, that last week in Myanmar, I was there in one of the meetings... And there was a a person who was from one of the IDP camps, which is an internally displaced person. And um, I love it that she had a a cancerous tumor right on her her side right there. It was sticking out from, from underneath her rib cage. And I love it that we just prayed, and she felt the fire of God go through her body. And she literally felt the tumor as if it was melting away underneath her skin. She felt it melting like wax melting in a candle. And she looked, and she got the biggest shock of her life, and she has disappeared. It's gone. All the pain is gone. She's healed of stage four cancer and just completely healed. I, I, lo- I mean, I, I don't know about you, but that face, which I didn't get a photograph of this time, which I was deeply disappointed about, but that face, the healed face, the shocked face, the awoken face, the face of someone that has just experienced the goodness and the love of God, whether they're Christian or not, that is an amazing face. That's an addictive look in someone's eyes. And, and i am I'm, 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 the rest of my life is, is for that. I want to see people experience God's goodness like that around every corner and every step and every moment, every week, every day, every year. I want to see God's goodness manifest like that. I love it that I got invited to... Uh, Um, this, this, this guy, he was getting married and he was actually organizing the conference. And the third day of the conference was his wedding, which is such a a hardcore thing to do, you know, to organize this massive conference thing and then have your wedding the next day. And then the next day he was going to minister in this rugged Burmese prison with his new wife. That was their honeymoon. And so I just thought, wow, what a hardcore dude. And um, But he said, I want you to come to my wedding, and uh, would you preach in my wedding? Just to, before it starts, just preach, just whatever you want. Just do whatever you want. And I thought, well, you know, I don't want to take the whole wedding over, but I'd love to just say something. That would be amazing. So I stood up and had the honor of sharing at this Kachin tribal wedding where they have all this. He had a sword and everything. Like, it was a full tribal wedding. And... Um, and there were probably, I don't know, maybe 10%, 20% of the people there weren't followers of Jesus yet. And so I just I just shared a simple message and, and, uh, and said, Hey, listen, if you want to leave everything else behind and commit the rest of your life to following Jesus, this is your day right now. Just lift up your hand. And probably 40 people lift their hands up and just give their hearts to Jesus. I just love that stuff. I'm just sharing the last week of my life. because. Uh, it's just good to celebrate Jesus. It's good to celebrate the harvest. It's good to celebrate the kaway in the boat. It's good to celebrate the kawai. I love catching kaway, but I know there's kingfish. I know there's kingfish. I love catching kaway. I love it that just before, as I arrived into Yangon Airport in Myanmar, I got a text from Andy, and he said, oh, I just need to share this with you. This is a testimony, and it went on this testimony of the text message about someone who, was in our church in Whangarei who had uh, bad diabetes. Wow. Um, they said they, in the worship something went through their body like fire. And they went to do their insulin check um, the next time they were doing their check. And it would normally be 15 and it had gone down to 5. And she was healed of diabetes. Wow. Just in the worship without anyone praying for her. I, I love kawaii. I love kawai. I, love, I, I just want to honor and celebrate everything that God does, whether it's a headache being healed, whether it's someone, someone being saved, whether it's someone being healed. I just want to honor everything. I want to honor the limited harvest that we have experienced so far. But I know that God's plan for us is that His glory would cover the earth. The knowledge of His glory would cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. His plan for us is that every fish in the bay would be in the boat. Not just a couple of kawaii, but every fish in the bay would be in the boat. And I want to see that happen. And I believe that God is is knitting a net for a harvest. And it's to do with Psalm 133. It's to do with a spirit of unity that comes on the body of Christ. It comes on the people of God. And when that happens, I believe that God will release the kingfish into the boat. He will release the kingfish into the boat. I, don't, I love visitations from God, but I want a nation which has become a habitation for God. And you want that too. That's why you're here. I thank God for a visitation, and I thank God for micro-habitations, but I want to experience the reality, the concrete reality of a nation that has become a habitation for the glory of God. I don't know if you've been to the zoo lately but I haven't either. <laughs> but I remember going to the zoo because my kids love going to the zoo. I, I, don't, I, I don't particularly love what, looking at caged animals, but, but my kids, they just love looking at caged animals. So we sometimes go to the zoo, and I remember going to the zoo, and, um, and we went to the polar bear cage. And at the polar bear cage, it was white, it was icy, it was cold, there wasn't much in there apart from some smelly fish, a little bit of water, but it was cold water, it was cold. And when I went to the polar bear cage, I was not expecting to see a monkey because the habitat is not right for a monkey. The habitat is actually perfect, perfectly custom-built for a polar bear. And so I went to the polar bear cage, and, and, and to my expectation, there was a polar bear in the polar bear cage. Nobody expects anything other than a polar bear in a polar bear cage, in a polar bear habitat. And then I went to the monkey cage, which was a few, a short walk away from the polar bear cage. And in the monkey cage, I I wasn't disappointed when I didn't see a polar bear in the monkey cage, because the monkey cage has been custom built for monkeys. Uh, I don't know if polar bears can climb; they probably can, but not as agilely not as gracefully as a monkey. And so the monkey cage is purpose-built for monkeys. The, the zookeepers have, have, have said, what's the perfect environment, the perfect habitat for a monkey to fully be a monkey? A monkey might survive in a polar bear cage, if the polar bear's not in there. might survive in a polar bear cage for, for a little while, but it won't fully be able to be itself, in a, it won't be able to express who it is fully in a polar bear cage. But if you put it in a monkey cage, it's going to be able to express who it is. And God's looking for a habitat. God's looking for a space on earth where He can fully express who He is, where He can fully express His nature, not where He can partially express His nature, not just where He can express little bits and pieces of His nature, but where He can fully express who He is And show the world exactly what he's like. He found that in Jesus. That's why Jesus could say, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And so our lives are called to look like Jesus. Jesus' revelation of what God's like trumps everyone else's revelation of what God's like, past, present, and future. Jesus is the final authority and the highest authority on what God's like. He's the Word made flesh. He is what God's like, 100% from beginning to end. And what He says about God is true from beginning to end. And Jesus emphasized when He talked about His God, when He talked about God, He referred to Him as His Father far more often than not. The main title that Jesus gave to, to God was God is Father. Before God is anything else, and He is a lot of other things, but before He's anything else, He's Father first, and before you're anything else, you're His child first. I love the fivefold ministry, but there's no point talking about the fivefold ministry until we first understood that we're sons and daughters of God, and we need to talk about the fivefold ministry. But we just first of all need to have this conversation first. Before God is anything else, He's the Father, and before you're anything else, you're His child you're also his servant, but before you're his servant, you're his child. And he's also your master, but before he's your master, he's your father. And he's your good father. He's a good father. Where do you find a father? Well, if you're going to build a habitat where a father can fully be himself, what kind of habitat does a father fit into? You can't, you know, a, a, a father is not a father without his family. You cannot, you cannot have a father absent from a family. Like the, A father who doesn't have a family is not a father. You, you, have, you find a father in a family, and the place where a father can fully express who he is is the environment of a family. Yes. And God wants to pour out fire, the fire of his burning presence on earth, but he doesn't want to burn the house down. And so he's looking for fireplaces to put his fire into. Come on. Because there's been there's been things happened in the past where, where actually houses have been burnt down. Revivals have happened yeah. and haven't always ended well. Fire's come, but fire has also well, I mean, at the very least, not lasted. But God's actually establishing fireplaces. He's mending the net for the harvest. He's building the fireplace for the fire. He's looking for a place where he can fully express himself, and he's establishing family on earth, and it's to do with Psalm 133. It's to do with a place where brethren dwell together in unity. And there God commands a blessing, which he's talking about the Jew on Mount Hermon, which was pivotal to the survival of Israel. It's not just, oh, it's a nice little blessing. He just, he just, he just bestows a little tack-on blessing. This is, this is the blessing that is the, the lifeblood of the nation of Israel. Without that Jew, everything turns to custard. That's the kind of blessing. It's a pivotal, significant, and foundational blessing. And here's something that's true. You and I... We can't be ourselves by ourselves. Come on, I agree. You can't be yourself by yourself. You, because you were made in the image of God. You, are, you were made in the image of God. God made you in His own image. And, and God is not an individual. No. God has forever been a community. God has forever, all eternity, has always been at least three. You were made in the image of community from the beginning. And so outside of community, you cannot even experience actually who you are. You can't live out who you are and you can't host God fully for who He is. You were made in the image of God and God is also, according to 1 John chapter 4, it says that God is love. You are created in the image of God, and God is love. So and love cannot exist outside of a, the context of a beloved. Love is never an alone thing. Love always has a beloved, because at the core nature of love, love is consistently given to a beloved. So good. That's the nature of love, and that's whose image you were made in. And so outside of having a beloved to give yourself to, I'm not talking about your husband or wife. I'm also talking about your husband and wife. They're included. But outside of being in a community of people who are your beloveds that you can give yourself to, you cannot be yourself. You cannot be yourself. And God is forming and forging His family. He's forming and forging His family on earth. He is pulling people in love with Him and in love with one another. And this is my prayer today, and my prayer is that God would upgrade our love for one another to the point where we have grace to give our lives for the benefit of one another. That is my prayer. And Jesus, um, uh, well, here, now let me just think about this for a second. I, I'll... I was thinking, should I do this or not? But I will just do this. Um, I, and I love this song. This song is an awesome song. And it goes like this. All I need is you, Lord, you, Lord. you know that song? Does anyone not know that song? All right. Well, you get there. You get there. It's actually an old song, so you have to go back to get there. But all I need is you, Lord. You. I'm always the guy that doesn't know the old songs. Because I only got born again when I was 19. So... I feel so special to be in the room and be, be uh, one of the people that knows the old songs when other people don't know the old songs. So anyway, that just makes me feel good. But uh, all I need is you, Lord, you, Lord. And God said to me one day, he finished off the sentence for me. I was singing that in the car, just all I need is you, Lord, you, Lord. I'm trying out for the worship team at the moment, as you can tell. But <laughs> I, and um, And... I'm driving along and God sung the rest of the sentence to me, which isn't in the song. He said this, he started he continued on the sentence, he said, Simply is not true, Matt. True, Matt. It simply is not true. And I was like, hang on, no, no. It's true. Honestly, God is true. All I need is you. All I need is you. And he said, Not true. I said, no, it's true. Honestly, all I need is you, God. You're enough for me. You're everything to me. Like, all I, like, honestly, God, without you, I'm nothing. Everything is yours. My whole life is yours. All I need is you. And God said, that's not true. And it never has been. I said, Exp- explain, please, Jesus. <laughs> and um, he said to me, well, let's just, why don't we just start at the beginning? Let's just start in Genesis. Let's start in my relationship with Adam Which was perfect, which was an unhindered, unbroken fellowship with my son, according to the book of Matthew, Adam. I'm walking in the garden in the cool of the day. We're having conversation. We're face to face. We're right there. We're in perfect, unbroken fellowship. And in that context, I said to Adam, God said to Adam, Hey, man, it's not good for you to be alone. In other words, I can see that you're alone and you feel lonely. In other words, there's something missing in my relationship with you that you need to get from something else that I can provide for you. On. And so God made Eve. And there is a need within every human to have human fellowship. And in that fellowship, God lives. I want to read this to you. It's in John 13. I'm going to zip through this, and then we're going to pray. John 13, and this is the, the context of John 13. By the way, John 13 to John 18 is possibly, at least in my opinion, is the greatest set of chapters in the whole Bible, in my opinion. It's, um, it's the longest conversation, the longest single conversation recorded in any of the Gospels. It, it takes up all those chapters, and it's just one conversation. I mean, I think it's one-fifth of the book of John, and it's just one conversation. It tells you that it's a super important conversation. You're taking three years of ministry here that John's writing about, and he takes five, or one-fifth of his whole book to just recount one conversation. It must be really important. And it starts in chapter 13. In chapter 13, Jesus is there. He's just about to go to the cross. But before he goes, he, he gathers his, his crew, and um, and he says, listen, um, sit down. And he takes his robe off, and he stoops down. And, and, and listen to what it says first. Let me just see if I can find this. Um, oh, listen to this. Listen to this. I wasn't going to read this, but I, I'm going to read it out of the Passion Translation, chapter 13, verse 3. Now, Jesus was fully aware that the Father had placed all things... Everyone say, all things. All things. ...under his control... For he had come from God and was about to go back to be with him. So he got up from the meal and took off his outer robe, and he stooped down and started to wash his disciples' feet. In the context of, I have been given control of all things. In other words, man, I'm the man. Like I have all the power in the universe. There is nothing that's not under my feet. I have control of absolutely everything. And now I'm going to show you how to live when you have everything. I'm going to show you how to live when you live in extreme abundance, when you have absolutely everything. When you have all the influence in the world and you're the most important person in the universe, this is how to live. You don't live by saying, you need to honor me because I'm the most important person in the universe. This is how you live. Guys, you stoop down, you humble yourself into the lowest place, and you wash feet. You get in amongst the dirt, you get in amongst the grime, you get in amongst the stuff that no one else wants to do. You go to the war zone, Michina, and you go to that place where no one else wants to go. You do the stuff that no one else wants to do, and you get down and you just wash the feet. You just wash feet. And then he says this, this new commandment I give you, guys, no servant is greater than his master. This new commandment I give you, like you've got the ten, you've got the whole Torah right there, You've got the ten. You've got all these, these rules, all these stipulations. You've got all the stuff, all the rules, you know. You've got all the stuff, and you're tr- trying to live right and all this stuff. But just honestly, if you can just remember one thing, this is the new commandment. Uh, uh, Love one another as I have loved you. Come on. In the context of what does it look like, it looks like you're washing feet. It looks like you're preferring one another above yourself. And so he stoops down, he starts washing feet. And then he says straight after that, I give you a new commandment, love one another as I have loved you. No servant's greater than his master. He says this, he says, uh, there is no greater love in the context of, I'm just about to go and hang on a cross for you. Mm -hmm. And not just for all, all the good guys, but forgive them for they don't know what they do. Talking about the Roman hammering the nail into his wrist. There is no greater love than this then a man lays down his life for his friend. This is the way I want you to love one another. I want you to begin with washing feet, but I want you to progress into carrying your cross daily and following me. And when I say friend, I'm including the Roman centurion. I'm including the guy who committed the actual act of murder. Like I'm including all these guys. Lay your life down for your friend. And then it says this, or at least in there, in there somewhere, it says this. It says this. All men will know. K-N-O in English. In the original language, it means experiential knowledge. Mm -hmm. All men will experience that you are my followers, students, disciples, which are ones who look just like their master. All men will will know, will experience that you are my followers because of your love for one another. Now, he's just spent three years teaching them the culture of the kingdom, teaching them about miracle signs and wonders. He sent them out two by two. They've raised the dead. They've healed the sick. They've cleansed the leper. They've cast out demons. They've preached the kingdom. They've seen fruit. They've seen kawaii in the boat. They've caught tons of kawaii. But he's giving them a strategy for kingfish now. He's like, you can keep catching kawaii, but we're going after kingfish. We're going after the whole bay. We want the whole, guys, we're doing this for the whole bay. My will is that not one should perish. We want the whole bay. A habitat, we want on earth as in heaven. How do we do that? We do that by this. Learning to love one another with a radical love. Not just an acceptable love, not just a world standard of love, but a radical God fueled love that is beyond what we could conjure up in our own strength, that we can grow in, that other people look and they say, Wow, man, I don't know what it is. It's not your haircut. It's not your haircut. Your haircut looks like Jesus. But there's something about the way that you're loving people and the culture of love that you have amongst you, that uh, I've never met Jesus, but this must be what Jesus is like. This must be what God's like. It, it it shows me that very thing that's programmed onto the inside of me that I need, that I've been looking for my whole life, but I don't know what it is, and that's it. It's that love. I see God in your love. L- listen to this, and um, just to get a little bit more into it. Is, uh, is this okay? You guys all right? Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Um, in 1 John, yeah. now this is the same guy talking. The same guy talking, and he's really just exp- expounding on that conversation, really. The whole book of 1 John, really, is just expounding on that conversation. 1 John chapter 1, verse 5 says this. This is the living message in the Passion Translation. Apologize if you don't have it in front of you, but... Um, I just picked this up the other day and thought I like this translation. So. This is the life-giving message we heard Him share, and it's still ringing in our ears. Now, I believe that He's speaking about the, the, the lesson that they were taught in John 13 through to John 18, which was backed up by the rest of Jesus' life. Now we repeat His words to you. God is pure light. You will never find even a trace of darkness in Him. We don't have a darkness problem. We just have a lack of light problem. If we claim that we share life with Him, which we do, but we keep walking in the realm of darkness, we're fooling ourselves and not living the truth. But if we keep living in the pure light that surrounds Him, we share unbroken fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus His Son continually sets us free from sin. The the New King James Version says this, if we live in the light, even as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. He is the light, and He's in the light. And the light that He's in is our fellowship with one another. That we're looking to establish a dwelling place for God on earth, a habitat that He can express Himself in. Where is the space that God lives on earth? Christ, and use the hope of glory, but the you is a plural, actually. The you, I mean, yeah, sure, Christ lives in you individually, but more so Christ lives in you plurally. And, and actually, the, the actual space that God lives in is the actual space of fellowship and relationship and heart connection that we share with one another. That, that, that is what, the, what John calls a light. What does the light look like? It looks like unbroken fellowship with one another. That's, that is that light, and God is in that light. That is a space, an actual space on earth that God literally dwells, that when it's expressed, the world will look at that space and go, wow, I can see God in that space, and you are truly his disciples. I need to be part of this space somehow. I need to get into this net. I need to jump into this boat. It's like the kingfish all start talking to one another, saying, man, you know what? We just need to get in that boat. We just need to jump in that boat. And they just start jumping in the boat. That there's actually a space that God dwells in, and it's our fellowship, it's our love, it's our unbroken fellowship with one another. There's too much broken fellowship. There's, there's too much offense in the body of Christ, just to be quite frank. No offense if your name's Frank. But just to be quite frank, you know, there's too much offense, there's too much, uh, there's too much of a willingness to let relationship break in the body of Christ. And, and I'm not saying I'm perfect at it either. I'm saying let's all grow in this. And my prayer today is going to be God, that God would upgrade our love for one another significantly. When you come to the altar and you go to give your gift to the Lord of worship and there realize that your brother has something against you, go and meander over to your brother and casually make things right, which I don't think it's said in that manner. I don't think it's said in that manner. I think it's said in this manner. When you come to the altar and you go to give your gift of worship, you go to put on that conference, you go to put on that church service, you go to do your act of worship to the Lord. And in that place, as you're doing that significant act of worship, as you're sacrificing something of yourself to the Lord, and you realize that your brother has something against you, run like your life depends on it and make it right with your brother. It's like my, uh, my auntie, and uh, we're, I was at home, I was, I was about eight years old, and uh, I think I was about eight years old, maybe nine, and uh, my auntie, who's a horse rider, and um, she had her horse on our property, and the horse was on our property, and she's, um, she's just finished riding her horse, she's standing here, there's a fence here, and her horse is here, and she's got the reins of the horse here. And then my dad is having a conversation with my auntie here. So horse here, just out of sight. Dad here, conversation, deep conversation. Deep conversation, I'm just meandering about, maybe riding my bike or something, I can't remember. And I hear this, <laughs> And I'm like, whoa, what's going on? And I run over, and dad's like, oh, it's okay, son, just... Uh, Everything's fine, everything's fine here. And obviously, everything is not fine here. There's blood going everywhere. There's, there's just, it, it's not a pretty scene. And I look, and my auntie's thumb is on the ground on the other side of the fence, the offense. And what had happened is the reins of the horse had been tied around her thumb, and she was in this conversation, but the horse wanted the grass over there. So the horse started walking, and actually squeezed her thumb off her hand. It was on the, on the um, ground on the other side of the fence. Now, parallel, as that's happening, my mom has been busy in the kitchen cooking food, and uh, we're, we're preparing this epic family dinner that we're all going to enjoy. My auntie's over. it's going to be a bigger cage. I think it might have even been someone's birthday, but it was just going my mom had been slaving in the kitchen for hours, and she's a really good cook. You know she was a chef in France for many years, and she's just an amazing cook, and we all love eating my mom's food, and, and uh, she put so much effort into this. And um, here's what we didn't do. What we didn't do is we didn't say, oh, um, listen, we've just, just got to carry on the conference. you know. Uh, we can sort this thumb thing out later. We did, actually, Mom's been putting a lot of effort in the kitchen, and um, we don't want all that effort to go to waste. So listen, let's just get a bit of, a, a bit of toilet paper or something, a bit of a tissue, wrap that thing up, just put a bit of pressure on it. Just, just relax, you know, just relax. And just come on, let's just eat some dinner and let's just, re- let's just enjoy our fellowship. Let's just enjoy our time around the table. And once we've finished and we've finished dessert, then maybe if the hospital's still open, we'll drive to the hospital and casually make things right. That's not what we did. What we did was mom dropped everything, dad dropped everything, we picked up the thumb Dad broke every speed law known to man and raced my auntie to the hospital. They sewed the thumb back on, and the thumb is now on my auntie's hand. Now, how many know the body would have been okay without the thumb, but permanently disabled? It would have survived, but it would never have ever been able to be itself again. There's something that thumb provided that there's no other body part can substitute that thumb. That thumb is uniquely um, uh, uh, and and significant in its own uniqueness. But the thumb, the thumb who's hanging out over there, before long, the thumb's not going to be okay. The thumb's actually going to die because life flows through the body. The, The Bible says that the life is in the blood, and we are the body of Christ and it sees God is strengthening the connections yeah. because it's in the connections. That's where the blood flows from one body part to the other body part, yeah. and often we can be attempting to pursue God in a spirit of independence, yeah. and what that looks like is, God, you've put something on my heart to receive, so I'm going to go to my prayer cave, and I'm going to pray until it comes, and it comes in a billion different formats, and we don't often realize it. It comes with a billion different faces, but we don't often realize it. Because what God does is He provides His life through His body. Come on. so good. He provides His life through His body. It's in our connection with one another that actually God provides the grace that we've been crying out for. And just for sake of time, I don't have time to go into stories right now, but so much of the stuff that I've cried out for, that I have spent years crying out for, pursuing God in prayer, because I think it's important to pursue God in prayer for the stuff that He lays on our heart. I think prayer is one of those other things that that God is renovating the prayer culture of New Zealand for a harvest. He's bringing a unity movement, and He's renovating the prayer culture. But so much of the stuff that God has laid on my heart, including stuff that He's spoken to me with an audible voice, stuff that I know like beyond a shadow of a doubt, He has this for me. So much of that stuff He has actually given to the people closest to me who haven't spent one centimeter asking for it. Ephesians says that his inheritance is in the saints. Yeah. Come on. And I think he does that for a reason. He does that for a reason because we're not meant to walk independently of one another. We're meant to walk in unity with one another. Not uniformity. We're not the Communist Party. But in unity of one another where we value one another's unique significance in the body so much of the stuff that's been given to, to my wife or my friends, and, and I've been like, man, I've been crying out for that God, and you gave it to Andy? Are you serious? He doesn't even care about this stuff. But then what God does is He watches to see, are you going to honor? Are you going to honor your brother? Are you going to love your brother? Because honor is what love looks like. Are you going to honor your brother? Are you going to honor what I gave him? Because actually I've given it to him, but it still has your name on it. You've just got to receive it through him or you've got to receive it through your wife, or you've got to receive it through your five-year-old daughter, or you've got to receive it through... I've provided it. Are you going to receive it? Yeah, come on. And he, he gives it in a way that draws us into community and draws us into family for a reason, because God doesn't just want kawaii. God wants every fish in the bay, and he wants every fish in the bay, so therefore he needs a family. He needs to build a net for the fish. The net is family. All men will know you are my disciples because of your love for one another. That Mordecai will look at this fellowship and see, man, there is such a blazing love. Listen to this. Just about finished. Just about done. Listen to this. We're just flicking over a chapter. I recommend the whole book of 1 John is worth reading. Um, But let's have a look at uh, verse 7, chapter 2, 1 John. Beloved, I'm not writing a new commandment to you, but an old one that you had from the beginning, and you've already heard it in my other gospel, chapter 13. Yet in a sense it is a new commandment, it, and it, as its truth is made manifest both in Christ and in you, because the darkness is disappearing. <laughs> I prophesy that over, over this region right now. The darkness is disappearing. The darkness is disappearing and the true light is already blazing. Anyone who says, I am in the light while holding hatred in his heart, which hatred is a heavy word, but it simply just means this, an absence of love. Sometimes when you say hatred, no, I don't have hatred. But if I ask you, do you have an absence of love towards anyone? Maybe you would answer that. And if you do, maybe you could ask God, fill me with love for that person who I'm feeling an absence of love for, which the Bible would just call hatred. While holding hatred in his heart toward a fellow believer is actually still in the darkness. But the one who truly loves a fellow believer lives in the light, and there is nothing in him that will cause someone else to stumble. Whoever hates or has an absence of love for a fellow believer lives in the darkness, stumbling around in the dark with no clue where he is going for. He is blinded by his absence of love. Love is the, is the light by which we see properly. And I'm like, my prayer, and my prayer for a long time has been, God, teach me how to love. Teach me how to love with no agenda. Teach me how to love with only love's agenda. Teach me how to love radically. Teach me how to love beyond my own strength, my own capacity. And man, I have made a thousand mistakes. I have made a thousand mistakes. And I'm only a, 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 a human who is trying to work out this whole... I mean, I'm a new creation human. That's pretty awesome. But man, I, I, mean, I, I want to love the whole world. I just went to Michina and there's like millions of people in this place. These kids who are walking around in the forest with no parents anymore in combat zones who have been hunted by Burmese military and if they find them, they'll sell them bo- for their body parts to China. I'm like, ah, I need to get into this bush, I need to get into this forest. I want to love every single one of these kids, but I don't. But I also want to love my three kids at home. I want to love my wife. I want to love my church. I want to love Moriwa. I'm going to Toronto this afternoon. I've got to go straight from here to a plane. I want to love Tauranga. I'm Then next weekend I'm going to Gisborne to be with Norm MacLeod. I want to go love Gisborne. I want to, then in July I'm going to Russia and Estonia and, and Lithuania and then I'm going back to Myanmar and then I'm going there and there and here and here. And, all, and, I just, and I'm going to Nepal and I'm going blah, 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 blah. And I just want to love everybody, but I've only got so much time and I've only got so much energy and I still actually need to sleep at night. And my kids can't miss out and my wife can't, can't miss out, but God... I want, I want to raise a culture of love where the whole world can see, man, that's what I'm looking for. And that's what I've been looking for my whole life, that we could literally take a team to Michina and be in love with God and in love with one another in this war zone and that the, and that the, the, the military would look at our love for one another and go, this is the answer to the solution. This is the solution to the problem of war in our nation. And they would say, blessed are the peacemakers because they shall inherit the earth. Come on. And it's, and it's as simple and as difficult as that. It's as simple and as complicated as that. And, and, and the decision is just this, and honestly, I know this is difficult. And this message has been tested in me a thousand times, man. And sometimes I pass the test and sometimes I fail. My, my decision and my prayer is, God, anything that is a wall that stands up against love, I will not tolerate that wall. If I'm aware of it, I decide that I won't tolerate it. If there is separation and I become aware of that separation, aware of that offense, aware of that broken fellowship, I am not someone that walks in the darkness and neither are you. And I refuse to walk in the darkness. And when I become aware of a darkness, I'm going to turn on a light. I'm not going to tolerate darkness and taitukoro. But I want to ask, let's we, we, why don't we just not tolerate darkness? And I'm not just talking about the people in this room, but I'm talking about let's spread a culture of love where we actually learn to love one another where we learn to lay down our lives for one another where we learn to prefer one another i was, i mean i just told you i was in burma i the guys were with me last week and they said matt you know the miracles i mean miles has come there with me uh, he laid hands on someone and two tumors just disappeared this was last year just two tumors just disappeared and then andy another person two tumors just disappeared. and just miracles all over the place crazy miracles the power of god people all over the floor experiencing the goodness of God, people getting born again. The pr- they said to me last year, this is ne- we've never seen this, we've never heard of this happening in the history of our nation. I just released God's love, so I did. That's right, yep. Yeah. But do you know what they said to me last week, and I'm going to finish with this. This is what they said to me. They said, Matt, the ministry is amazing. The miracles are amazing. We love everything you say, and it's all awesome, but that's, that's not the thing that's impacted us. There's something about you and your team. There's something that we saw in you and in your love for one another. The way you love each other, the way that your culture is, the way that you, and we don't have it right every time, but they saw something in our love for one another, and they said, that has changed us more dramatically than anything we can remember. All men will know you're my disciples because you love one another and that's what I want to pray for you so can you guys just um, if you are prepared to receive this when I say prepared if you are willing to receive this if this is what you want then I'd just like to ask you to stand up and I've run out of time I'm going to quickly pray Um, I don't have time to prophesy over you Richard but, um, but I have a word for you, which I'd love to give you afterwards, just for sake of time. And uh, Father, right now, I thank you that you're a good dad. I thank you that you're a good father. I thank you that you love the Lord. I thank you that you love this place. You love these people. You love every Maori, every Pakeha, every Chinese, every Indian, every Every nationality, every tribe and tongue that resides in this place, God. You love this land. You love this creation, God. You love this place. You love the birds and the plants. You love everything that you have created in this place. You have a love for, God, but you love us. You love us, God, and we love you. God, teach us to love one another. God, I'm asking, Holy Spirit, that you would literally actually teach us how to love one another the way you love us. I actually ask right now, Holy Spirit, that you would fill us with a new kind of love, with an upgraded love for one another. I pray, God, that where there is a fence in the body, where there are thumbs missing, where there are body parts dismembered, God, where there is separation in the body in Northern God, I pray that the world will look at Northern and say, Man, that's a, that's a region on earth where the people have come together. And you can look, it's a space on earth where you can actually look at that geographical location and you can see the love of God manifest and burning bright. There's a blazing light coming from that place. There's a blazing light coming from the ends of the earth, coming from the far north of the ends of the earth. There's a blazing light and it's a light to the nations. It's a light to the nations. And it's just our conversations and our fellowship and our love for one another and our making time for one another. I declare, God, that you'll give individuals in this room right now assignments even right now holy spirit has dropped them in people's hearts As love assignments how to show honor how to manifest love to their neighbors to the people around them i pray that right now you would show people the faces of people who they're doing life with that actually have grace for them on the inside of them i pray god that you would draw to the surface if there's any unforgiveness or anything in terms of an offense god I pray that you would give grace and love to break down the fence. And right now, I just declare in the Spirit right now, the fence breaking down in Jesus' name. The fence breaking down in Jesus' name. And we declare, God, thank you for the carway. Thank you for the carway. We thank you for every every aspect of the harvest. We thank you for the gang members who are being saved right now, God. We thank you for uh, just all the stories that, that, can't, that, are, that could be told in this room of the kawaii in the boat. We thank you, God, that, that there are piles of kawaii in the boat. There's so much goodness happening right now, and we, can, we have got so much to celebrate, God. But, Father, we can see the kingfish, we can see the kingfish strengthen our lions Strengthen our connection. Strengthen the net, God, because we want to harvest the whole bay. We want to harvest the whole lot. We want all of them in the boat. And Father, we let go of hopelessness. Just let go of hopelessness right now and lay a hold of an expectation for a mass harvest. That like what Howie prayed earlier and prophesied earlier, I pray that expectations would shift and change in this room. I pray that there'll be a restoration of hope for a harvest that we've been longing to see for decades now, but that is alive and white and ready to jump in the boat in our day right now. And I pray, God, send fire, but before you do, build a fireplace. Teach us to love. Thank you, Lord. I've run out of time. I'd love to lay hands on all of you, but God bless you. Thank you, Ken.